Welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast demanding a statue of Ben Custo be constructed in Islamabad. No real reason, just think it'll be a good tourist attraction one day once all the sectarian violence has subsided. I'm your host, Damon Brown, and today on the show we'll be discussing all the late-breaking news in the wonderful world of rugby league. But first, I'm joined in the Media Watch Mario Studios by the only man who hates KFC so much... He once tracked down the granddaughter of the Colonel just so he could stuff her mouth with a fresh radish. It's Xander Risotto. Welcome to the show, mate. How did you know I hate KFC that much, mate? It actually is incredibly accurate. I have a, I have a quite irrational disdain for all things fast food and KFC. Well, mate, I'm, I'm obviously aware we're good friends off mic. That's, that I is kn- true. I know your aversion to fast Was food. Was it all quite those well. times that I threatened to firebomb the local KFC? Stuffing a radish into someone's mouth, regardless of it being a benevolent intention, that's still oral rape in most US states, I think, mate. Is it? I think so, because <laughs> you need, you still need consent. I mean, you know, it just depends, right? I mean, I, as far as I understand it, I'd still be a shot at a, a Supreme Court um, position, uh, judging on the current administration. I think that's a prerequisite, isn't yeah. it? The listeners probably know this already, but Xander Risotto is he's, he's very much his body is a temple. Um, I think, do you still bathe three or four times a day in olive oil? No, it's 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 mother's milk, mate. It's, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like from the Game of in Thrones, y- mother's milk. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not milk from your mother's mammaries. No, no. Okay, because no, that, 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 that sort weird. of um, that's that that holy priestess mammary. So you're sort of drizzling yourself in a lactating mammary of a regal princess. That's or something. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I like to use the regal stuff. Yeah. Are you uh, one of those health freaks that don't really go near a lot of dairy as well? Do you go for all the alternative milks like almond milk, soy milk? Um, no. There's, there's, there's macadamia milk. Almond, now. Almonds don't have tits, mate. <laughs> so I don't go for that. There you go. Put that in your fucking book, Descartes. <laughs> you need a philosophical quote. Almonds don't have tits. That's said here on the potty today. Voluntary tackle. You can't get it anywhere else, folks. I don't know if you know this, but obviously the Colonel is in the Colonel Sanders. He often gets impugned as a racist. But there's certainly no proof of it. He's, he's, I mean, I know he Not looks the white like outfit one. and the, the KKK connections. Well, so I think the KKK thing is fabricated, but certainly the white outfits would make you seem like a white supremacist, wouldn't it? I mean, that that's just not good for optics. But did you know why he wore the white suits? No. Yeah. It's because he was dabbling in flowered chicken all the time and he didn't want his black suits to look like he had some kind of dandruff issue. So Is that changed, right? So he changed from black suits to white suits. I do remember reading, actually, that... Um the colonel sold the idea and actually didn't make a ton off it. Um, like he, he it when got he franchised. Or yeah, something. yeah. Like that. He, you know, when it, when it became a corporate thing, like he was just he was literally just some, mm. you know, southern bloke who liked a lot of chicken. Um, and that yeah, he didn't. Um, he actually didn't make too much money off the, the whole thing. Like he actually really he 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 made he made it all right at the end of his life, but okay. otherwise lived pretty destitute. You I make believe. bad decisions. The Titans know about it. They signed Ash Taylor. So. Although that's that's not looking as bad currently. Like yeah, no, it's actually starting to bear yeah. fruit. It's been a long time. Not sure if it's worth a million a year, but we'll get <laughs> into it. Now we should mention before we kick into the show, Xander, that the world recently recognised the International Day of Remembrance of the Slave Trade and its abolishment. 
So to mark the moment this week, I actually abducted a middle-aged white man of privilege and uh, I've been kicking the shit out of him ever since. How have you been marking the day? Not by doing that. <laughs> um, I'm just doing my bit, mate. <laughs> yeah, no, mate, I just... Um I just watched the the replay of the Roosters thumping the Broncos again, to be honest. That's how I celebrated it. Okay. I just felt like that, you know, it, taking off the shackles of the Roosters attack mm. is how I looked at it. I'm sure the oppressed African-Americans would appreciate that obscure metaphor. Um, <laughs> now, before we pretend to have a major family issue and breach our contracts just to earn more money, just a reminder, you can follow the show on social media via the handle at Voluntary Tackle, but be warned, we're mainly on Twitter. You can also follow Xander Risotto on the handle at Xander underscore TVT for all of your nefarious KFC needs. Um, but, mate, look, going to push in. We don't really have anything scripted for this show, but it's the Voluntary Tackle's way. So there's a lot to talk about since the last time uh, we were here. I think it was about two or three weeks ago, the last episode. So we do apologise to our loyal listeners uh, for the semi-hiatus. Just so you know, Xander and I were called away. We had higher duties. Um, the Victorian government actually asked us to fornicate with returning travellers um, in the Stanford Hotel down in Victoria. Again, just doing our bit. But we want to talk about Cameron Smith's end here on the show today because it almost looks set in stone, doesn't it? doesn't look like he's going to be at Melbourne next year, uh, all because of Brandon Smith, who sort of delivered an ultimatum to the club and said, well, if Cameron plays on, I'm gone. Uh, so it looks as though he, he's either going to retire or he could have another swan song year with another club. Uh, I have some views on this, but we're going to start with you. What should Cameron Smith do, in your opinion? In terms of what he should do, I think if he if he physically could play on, uh, I think he actually could do a lot of good at a club like um, the Titans. Um, you know, where he'd go in there, he'd, he'd, he'd raise their standards. You know, he'd be going into a system that Holbrook has actually been, you know, improving quite a bit. Mm. And, you know, finish off his career by, by helping build something new. Yeah. Um, I know there's a lot of romance about being a one-club player and all the rest of it, but I don't think anyone in Melbourne would begrudge him for I that. I used to think that, but then Cooper Cronk came along, and uh, I think it added to the romance. Well, in fact, yeah. I know that, because if he was around, I yeah. probably would fornicate with him. Well, that's just right. I mean, like, uh, you know, Cronk's legacy is, is, you know, unimpeachable now. Like, he went, mm. he, he played in four grand finals in a row and won the last three. It's not a you bad know? effort, is it's, it? Uh, it's... it's Pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think at this stage, you know, you, you just simply cannot question that. Is it a case here where Cameron Smith wants to be, wants to sort of crawl out of the shadow here of Cooper Cronk because he saw Cooper do it? And is there a part of him who might think, well, if Cooper can do it, maybe I can go to another club and excel and get a GF as well? Is that something that might be in his mind? I think that'd probably be a motivating force for him to retire early because I suspect I suspect that he will want as few comparisons with himself and Cooper Cronk as possible. I'll you tell know. you what, if he went to the Gold Coast Titans, for example, and in twenty twenty one got a premiership, that'd be that's like the Mighty Ducks four, isn't it? I mean that's a, a fucking rags to riches tale. That would be worthy of a movie. It would, it would actually. It would be it would be who, incredibly impressive. I mean, you know, who would I play Cameron in the movie? Danny who's, DeVito for who's, me. Who's, I was, who's who's uh, incredibly incredibly hairy and has a has a bum chin that isn't Boyd Corden? I'm just trying to think. Mm, that's uh, really interesting. <laughs> as an actor, I can think of Craig McLaughlin's ass. I, I actually reckon you know maybe maybe Al Pacino with that age reversing technology they used in The Irishman. I can just see him yelling at the ref in that in in like a, a key scene in a movie. <laughs> just <laughs> like just be really funny instead of if, instead of Cameron Smith like in his polite tones and. And charming Eugene, it just all of a sudden it would just get into this yell of them where you're like, What are you talking about? 
<laughs> Have you ever noticed Al Pacino yells in every movie he's in? Yeah, yeah. There's liar, a... liar, pants on fire. <laughs> there's a scene in every movie. You're right. Yeah, he just they find just a way for it to shit. be there. Look, going back to our original thing here, Cameron Smith. Is there any incentive for him to retire? Is there the uh, you know the proverbial risk that by playing on he could potentially tarnish his legacy? Because at the moment in the game, it's He's virtually on a level all to himself. Mm. Um, he's all but guaranteed to be an immortal one day. He's achieved everything in the game to a high level of success. If he went on and played an extra year at a club, say the Titans, and had a flop, mm. would that affect the legacy of Cameron Smith? The guy's too much of a professional. The only way you could see it happening was, you know, if he went out and had it. A year like Darius Boyd, you know, like when that, <laughs> wait, that, wait, years <laughs> like Darius Boyd. Exactly, Boyd. Boyd has been awful for for a while now. But like, even if he even if he put in a year like Boyd has had this year, his legacy is still confirmed. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's beyond doubt that he's going to be an immortal. And and you know, unless unless he was absolutely phoning it in and made the Titans worse by his presence. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's just inconceivable to me that he would be. Well, know? it looks like there's only really two prospects from what we're reading. It's either Cameron Smith going to the Brisbane Broncos or going to the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, given those two options, would there be a preference, uh, in your opinion, a preference of where he should go? Because I'm, th- I'm assuming it's not the Broncos because they are an absolute basket case um, and... If we're talking about legacy destruction, I think going to the Broncos might be one way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's probably a certain level of romance both ways. Hmm. Um, but I think the Titans kind of... Yeah, I know the Broncos are in, a, in, in an awful place right now, but I think the Titans um, need him more. There's, there's more, I think, for the game to gain for him from hmm. him going there than the Broncos, which, you know, fundamentally is still a, an incredibly strong franchise. It just needs to get its, you know, proverbial shit together. Well, it was a, an incredibly strong franchise. I feel like at the moment, if you went to the Broncos, it'd be like signing up to work at Big W. I mean, it's it's a real fall from grace. It is, but, I mean, you look at the you look at the amount of talent they've got on the sideline, the amount of players that have been out injured. They still have a, a pretty good roster, and they still started the season on fire. Um, you know, they, they just need a bit of... Uh, a, like a bit more direction. I mean, I've been reading reports coming out about the way um, things kind of unraveled this season, you know, and, and just the, the contrast between Seabolt's tenure at Souths and, and him trying to take the game plan. And it did sound like during his tenure, he probably brought a little bit too much of, of a corporate attitude mm-hmm. to the coaching of the team. There, there's a lot of grumblings about um, excessive numbers of meetings with, uh, with management and coaches, um, you know, a, a, like an like an uh, over analysis of things, so the players ended up just getting bam, like bamboozled, mm. almost like they were being coached by an NFL coach, and, yeah, and right. that's not how you coach rugby league. I actually heard Darius Boyd was put in charge of taking the minutes for those meetings, and he fucked that up too. <laughs> drop um, the pen, yeah, get dropping the pen and uh, writing in a different language. At one point, he was typing it up in Wingdings. What a fuckwit! Um, but look, Cameron Smith, we're talking about him going to another club here. What is it? What is it? The attributes that a Cameron Smith would bring to say let's let's go with the Gold Coast Titans example because I think that is the most likely scenario if he was to play on next year I mean is it a case of him coming in and actually having a bigger role than just playing hooker is it it's obviously it's his influence and it's his aura but is there a chance he probably would go to a club like that and he also brings some kind of coaching acumen to, to some degree well yeah absolutely right um, and we talked about this um with Cooper Cronk, like some of the things that he brought to the Roosters, mm. just little little pieces around, um, you know, thinking through more aspects of the game. Like we talked about that 
that Storm game in early last year mm. where they did the feint to uh, to Cooper Cronk and ended up going to Latrell Mitchell for the field goal that won that game and, and those things kind of being things that he brought from the Storm. I think he, br- he would bring that level of, uh, I guess, incisiveness and detail to thinking through game plans, but he'd also bring professionalism and he would also take pressure off the halves, right? So you've mm. still got a relatively young halves combination there. Who are actually playing quite well at the moment. They like, are, right? I mean, young Fogarty yeah. is mm. doing pretty well. By the way, if you, if you spelt Fogarty... Surely you go with Fogarty and not Fogarty. I mean, that's an unusual pronunciation. I don't want to get bogged down in this. Uh, but his family's, well, down. his family's fucked up there, they let's have, be honest. Yeah. But you're right. So he would take pressure off what is a young halves mm. pairing. Because Ash Taylor, we think of him as established, but he's, he copped that million-dollar contract very early on he in his did. career. He did. Because the Gold Coast Titans sort of tend to throw a lot of money at you, even at the embryo stage of your life. <laughs> Um, as is the he's management got good strategy. genes, mate. Just throw a ten million dollar contract at him. <laughs> We've signed up the twinkle in a milkman's eye for ten mil a year next year. So yeah, there's been some mistakes made at the club, obviously. But you're saying that he would sort of come in and and play that sort of mentor role for the halves. You can see how that worked, you know, with Cronk mm. the Roosters as well. Like Kiri was always a great playmaker, but it it, it just allowed him uh, space and also uh, the the rest of the team as well. Like just having that composure. You could see it in games when. You know, when you're in those sort of championship minutes, the mm. impact of a Kronk having on that team, and we, we've kind of lacked that a little bit in the back end of some of the big games this yeah. year, and you can kind of see that. So I think I think that's the other thing is you, is you win more of those close games, and you've got somebody who's been there and done that. Yeah, you know, and he would absolutely bring that maturity to to the Titans. What would it be like though when he's playing the Storm? That that'd be the unusual scenario, wouldn't it? Just, yeah. You know, he would have absolutely all the knowledge on, uh, you know, Craig Bellaby's game plan and vice versa. That's right. So, which is, you know, kind of what happened with uh, the 2018 grand final. That's right. Yeah, very true. (laughs) Look, there's also talk, Xander, of um, Cameron Smith going across as a package deal with Bellyache. Yeah. Do you think there's any credence to that? Is that a a likely thing to happen? I know Bellamy's been pretty vocal about saying, I don't want to coach on. I'm not particularly interested in going to another club, although then he tends to sign on the dotted line. Imagine the the coup of getting Craig Bellamy and Cameron Smith to go to your club. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think Bellamy'd go up with him. Um, well, they've just re-signed Holbrook, so yeah. that's sort of the Titans. That would put a red pen through them, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's all, that, that's not going to happen. The biggest contender for um, Bellyache has been the, uh, the the touted next Brisbane franchise, right? Mm, they they yeah. want to bring him on, even even if it's just as a sort of a manager role, like. Phil Gould is going to take um, over at the Warriors. Yep. I was listening to the Front Office podcast, mm. and they had the uh, the franchise manager of the Brisbane Firehawks, which is one of the bids for the second Brisbane team, and they he was basically straight out and said, yes, uh, if the opportunity comes along, we are going to pursue Cameron Smith, and we are mm. going to pursue Craig Bellamy. So mm. we know for a fact if they are the successful bidder, um, that they'd be very much in the equation. So you, there could be an eventuality where a second team in Brisbane comes in and the foundations are Cameron mm. Smith and Craig Bellamy. Yeah, mind you, you're looking at um, 2022 and that'd be a coaching duo for sure. Then he's not playing at that point. Cameron Smith? Yeah, you'd have to assume. Mate, he could play on until he's 40, <laughs> I think. I mean, you know, he he, he would cement himself. He, if he was continuing to play, it, honestly, it would be like, it would be Tom Brady-like stuff, right? Honestly, just based on what we've seen, why would he hang up the boots? It's not as though his game is... Is faded He's still that much. playing incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, he lost his speed five years ago, yeah. right? So he hasn't played with leg speed for a while, but he's played with a lot of mental speed. Mm. And that's yeah, what he'd be yeah. bringing. His vision, his vision is um, impeccable in terms of you know wh- where he's able to 
to spot space and create opportunities for his side. He's kicking, you know, mm. like we just saw in the uh, the game against Manly, he created a lot. He did drop a couple of balls un- uncharacteristically, yeah. but yeah. that was, you know, still his kicking game basically kept the pressure on. Um, Look, his vision's very good, but he did miss a trick when he couldn't spot all of those extra noughts on his bank account a few years ago. <laughs> More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Anthony Seabolt, Xander, he's gone. Um, it happened days ago. This isn't late-breaking news, um, but we very rarely have our fingers on the collective pulse anyway, so it doesn't really need to be said. But like a sunburnt man in his 50s on the prowl for a 21-year-old at the Coogee Bay Hotel, we could all see for a while that Anthony was going to be leaving his duties at the Broncos empty-handed, Xander, and possibly slapped with some kind of felony by the end of the time. I guess this sacking seems a bit like tender mercy, to me, and I think it seemed like a tender mercy to a lot of other people, especially when one of the major stakeholders compares you to a cancerous tumour. Yeah, that was, let's, that let's, was a bit rough. A little bit rough. Uh, maybe we'll start with that. I thought that was absolutely outrageous mm. uh, for a major stakeholder of a rugby league club to say that about the coach. How did you see those comments in particular? It was, oh yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to take it too many different ways. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt. Geez, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> I did think he was, he was broadly talking about the situation, mm. you know, like. The, I meant this, stage three cancer, you know, not terminal. But, but you know what I mean? Like, the, the, it's an awful analogy, but he was basically saying, listen, you know, it, I mean, I think, I think a smarter analogy would be, look, this is like a relationship that's not working. He didn't have to go terminal patient that's dying. No. Uh, you know, like, it was just so. Is there a way oh. that he could have gone further? Beyond the pale, is there is there some kind of metaphor he could have drawn that would have been even worse? Nazis. Okay, yeah. well we do that all the time on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't actually come across the way it was said, as it had a lot of ill intent specifically for Seabold. It was just a really clumsy metaphor for a, a, an arrangement that wasn't working. Clumsy metaphor. He called it a bit. Tumor, called him a cancer. He didn't call him a tuna. Tuna, <laughs> didn't call him a tuna either. But he, he didn't call him a tumor. Um, it's not a tumor. Um, but <laughs> he called uh, him a cancerous growth. Didn't but he? but he, he he basically said, look, you know, this situation has gone on, and it's. He said it's like when you've got a cancerous tumor. If you don't cut it out, the patient dies, and we mm. don't want the patient to die. I see. Uh, and the, the patient being here, the, Broncos, the Brisbane Broncos yeah. franchise. And yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, by extension, yes, it does make it sound like he's calling Seabold a tumour. Does that make Kevin Walters chemo? If it does, he's still in danger of killing the patient. <laughs> that means he's Just putting it out and, there. And, and I, I assume Darius Boyd is a spread of the cancer. <laughs> So Kevin Walters' chemo would come along and just carpet bomb the whole club, oh, kill every cell. That's right. But yeah, I think I think. Um, I mean, it's a shit metaphor when it comes to rugby league. You should awful. never have mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> we we probably should just touch on this. It's not new news, but the sacking, or I don't, we can call it sacking inverted commas. It, I think he jumped slightly before he was pushed. The exit deal. The exit deal. Um, is this the right move for him? Or should, or should he have tried to fight his way through this? Oh, no, they paid him a million bucks to get out of a contract that was, um, you know, he was, I think he, had, he could have pushed for another two point whatever it was that yeah. was left on it. But I think for his own sake, um, you know, the the amount of shit that happened up there, like, and, and we, we sort of talked about it on previous podcasts, the, the, the kinds of rumors that were being, being spread. And, um, you know, and we said that they, 
at the time that this just cannot be true and subsequently it's come out that now these people have been tracked down and uh, we heard <laughs> over the last couple of days that um, those names have now been divulged to uh, Seabolt's legal team and they've handed them to the NRL Integrity Unit and apparently they include New South Wales-based um, identities that are associated with rugby league. They didn't say specifically what mm. their association is. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's it's obviously some people with agendas who are pretty nasty. And for his own sake, it's probably best that he's gone. And look, we can't speculate, obviously, for mm. legal and libel reasons, but it does actually surprise me that it's New South Wales based. Yeah, I, I had yeah. the feeling that it was probably coming from. Uh, you know, identities, inverted yeah. commas, up there in Brisbane who didn't like to see their beloved club treated the way it was being treated. Well, to be fair, you know, there are a few Queensland, uh, former sort of Queensland old boys who are based down in Sydney, mm. you know, work for Fox Sports, for example. Would you still call them New South Wales? Well, they identities? said New South Wales based. Yeah, fair enough. They didn't say they were New South Wales people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, one thing about Anthony Seabold that we do know is he has been someone that's ruffled a lot of feathers uh, during his meteoric rise through the coaching ranks. He's extremely ambitious and seemed to have a very clear path about what he wanted for his career progression. And perhaps he didn't care about exactly who he had to climb over to get there. Now, that's unbridled ambition. There's not necessarily anything intrinsically wrong with that. He um, gained the the role at the Broncos and the, the exit of uh, Bennett was a short... It was, it was a very weird process, but it, it, it didn't seem to me at the time... Like this was something that he'd orchestrated through some Machiavellian plot. It just sounded like the board were um, over Bennett for whatever reason and were, and were keen to bring in somebody new. And but he was doing well at Souths. He was, and, but, and, and the, the, the point has been made that at Souths he had a core group of senior players and a good mix in that roster of you know, up-and-comers that were able to kind of help him institute the style of play he wanted. I've got to say, I mean, obviously when he first took over the South Sydney club, I think he was the coach of the year in his he first was. year He was. Got, he got the Dally M Coach of the Year Award in yeah. 2018. And they the did very the, well. The Roosters won, but you know. <laughs> but and got the minor premiership. It did appear as though... <laughs> I, I, I still haven't left to the impression that he's some incredible tactician, even at South. So I remember no. thinking... Yeah. That at one point, as you said, he had a bit of an up-tempo style, particularly on his left edge there, where they'd run through the hands and they had a lot of success with mm. almost a singular play. Yeah. But then in the back half of the season, I think you know most clubs got wise to that. And it didn't look as though he pivoted too much when mm. it came to the offensive strategy. So I do wonder if yeah. there's a bit of a misnomer there with him having this amazing offensive yeah. up-tempo um, you know, strategy, and especially in light of what we've seen at the Broncos. I think it's... You know, it's hard to say. I'm sure he'll 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 improve. He'll probably go to England. I don't know what he'll do. He'll he'll go and continue coaching. You have to. Think well, there's somewhere. a word today that he's uh, potentially going down to the Newcastle Knights in an assistant role. Is that right? He's a big. Uh, he's big mates with Adam O'Brien. Yeah, right. Well, they both coached um, under Seabold. I mean, under uh, Bellamy. Under Bellamy at yeah, Melbourne, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's where their their friendship started, yeah. and they're still pretty tight. So it looks as though that might be the next ship. It probably Randall. wouldn't hurt him to go and play second fiddle somewhere again. Like maybe he was just too young. Yeah, I mean, not everyone can be Trent Robinson and and, and coach premierships in your late thirties. We we probably should talk about uh, the Brisbane Broncos club as well, Xander, outside of Anthony Seabold because they've been left coachless. They've got this guy called something gentle in there, yeah. which is quite an ironic name when you consider the the level of like viciousness that exists efforts. within the Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Actually, it's very fitting for uh, Darius Boyd's defensive style. Uh, but we should probably talk about who the main candidates are to take over that job. It looks as though it's a tussle between Kevin Walters and Paul Green 
Paul Kent reported today that Paul Green might be edging ahead in that contest. Mm. What are your thoughts on who should take over the role there? You've got Kevin Walters, who's an untested first-grade coach, and you've got premiership-winning coach Paul Green, who has had a pretty lean last couple of years at the Cowboys. Mm. Who would you prefer to take on? So it's a tricky one um, between those two, right? Because, you know, Green, you know, as everyone has, has correctly stated, he has taken a side to a premiership. So, you know, arguably he does know how to do it. But he had Jonathan Thurston in that side. Mm. And, you know, when you've got one of the sort of great halfbacks of all time, yep. um, does make your life a little bit easier. Do you think if Paul hadn't said to Jonathan Thurston, this season, mate, can you just carve? That he wouldn't have carved? Do you reckon he needed that kind of little coach whisper in the ear to say, look, can you just be an immortal and and we're going to do well? Yeah, I think I think those plays, you don't so much coach them as you manage them because, mm. I mean, like the Andrew Johns types of plays, you listen to them talk about the way they grew up with the game. They're all just so obsessed with their own, like practicing the art mm. of, of, of a creative half that, yeah. you know, you, you don't really want to get in their way. You just want to make sure they remain motivated. Yeah, no, um, fair call. Obviously, Andrew Johns highly motivated by stimulant drugs like ecstasy. <laughs> Uh, which I made him allegedly. Very good. Alleged, allegedly, I think I, he admitted that. I, one, didn't I, he? I, well, he did actually. That's right. But I, I did. I did hear him on on uh, Immortal Behavior recently, um, uh, saying that he, he barely drinks at all anymore, and he's been a good boy, and that he doesn't teach out life advice. Well, can I say this? I love Joey. I think he's a, a tremendously um, positive and unique personality in the game, and and is I think, in my opinion, the best player I've ever seen play. So it's certainly Agreed. no knock yeah. on him. But you know, there were some dalliances there with recreational drugs and. Who knows? It Look, might have mate, been the 01 grand final at that up tempo speed. It might have been the E that got him there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Welcome back to the voluntary tackle. Tavita Pangai Jr. has not been a name highly revered this year, Xander. Marred in controversy, whether it's turning up to a bikey's barbershop barbecue. But he also had an interview uh, during the week with the board. At, at the moment, as far as I'm aware, by the time of this record, the Brisbane Broncos board haven't made a decision, a formal one, on whether or not to tear up his contract. Um, I've seen him conduct a couple of interviews with the media, Xander. My impression is this is someone that is not great at putting his case forward, at least not appearing to be a dickhead. It doesn't seem very sincere, never seems to be in the wrong. This is my impression of Tavita Pangai Jr., but what's your take? Uh, so you're talking about the famous James Hooper interview, are you? Yes, I am. Jesus, that was... Wasn't that a fucking calamity? Oh, well, you it was, know, it's that and Prince Andrew for me. You know, I mean... <laughs> it's, no, he definitely handled himself better than Prince Andrew. Although, remember um, when he he said, oh, I couldn't have been at that barbershop because I was at a pizza shop in Wokeham? That was yeah. a fucking weird moment in the it, Pangai interview. The funniest part for me was when he's, uh, Hooper's gone, you know... Um, so you've done this before, how many times? Like, oh, yeah, a lot of times. Done it before, I've, I've told the integrity. And then you're like, that's not good. No. <laughs> but there's almost this kind of weird, unrepentant attitude, though, as though... It's very flippant. He, he doesn't give a yeah, shit. Yeah, he, he comes across as is not particularly... He, like, he's not really taking this all that seriously. And this, and he's come in to sort of manage the PR on this thing. But, but what's interesting, I don't know if you, you've seen it, is that apparently the word coming out is that he sat down with his legal team and the Broncos and um, apparently put his case forward and it's looking like they're going to go back on their decision to tear his contract up and he's going to stay at the Broncos now. And so that's not that's not been confirmed though, has it? Hasn't been confirmed, but that's apparently... Is the, that where it's leaning? Yeah, that's apparently the board have been turned. Really? Um, so I don't know what he said. Maybe I'd say they've been uh, turned on a legal premise yeah. and not like an emotional one because so, you'd want to get as far away from that fucker as you possibly could. Supposedly they do have it in their power to like dock his pay significantly, so mm. they may take up that option um, to... 
you know ram the point home but apparently he's um you know he, he's put forward a case for why he should stay and you know they've apparently acceded to that to a certain degree but it, they they may well still hit him with a big stick and if you you know you never know maybe it maybe it'll be good, be good for him if they can if they can uh use those clauses in his contract to cut his pay in half mm. then you'd think he'd That'd probably straighten him up a little bit. Jesus, mate. The way he's played, I'll get the scissors and cut his penis in half. I mean, he's fucked that club up over massively over the oh, last yeah, 12 Jesus. months. Well, maybe not. A, maybe thirds, um, to be <laughs> the way he's played. Mate, once the tip's gone, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Depends. Make some kind of weird, like, fingway shape head of the penis. Look, it's that's a bit absurd, but... Look, I, I think that the club should... of the penis. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> Turn it into a sock puppet. Why not? I do think that, that, that there's, there's really only one decision to be made. I think he has been a really corrosive influence at the club. I think there's probably a lot more going on at Brisbane that we don't know uh, and that can't be voiced mm. publicly. But I think that he has just been someone who not only himself uh, has been in breach of certain expectations, behavioural expectations at the club, but I think he also has exercised an influence over a number of other people as well because when he has been caught in breach he's not always been alone no that's right and 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 there was that su- suggestion there was there was a couple of reports out uh, earlier that oh he was hanging over the he'd hung over the broncos head that there were third party deals that were off the books or something like that that's right yeah um, apparently that's all you know that's all nonsense and that actually what happened was that there were third party deals that were registered but the, the um companies got cold feet because of all the crap mm. that he got into. I mean, even the fact that Pangai Jr. is willing to go there to essentially use this as leverage yeah. for his yeah. own advantage, I think it says a lot about his character, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's not something that would be attractive. And I thought Robbo was was quite right when he came out and he said, that's not the kind of character you want at a success, you know, in a successful culture. I assume yeah. playing the pokies until 3am before a finals match isn't a part of that picture? Not ideal, no. But look, and you know, another thing that really got me about Pangai Jr. was the fact that in these negotiations where they were talking about his COVID breaches, he, he actually said, look, I can't guarantee I'm not going to keep doing it. Isn't yeah. that an odd thing to yeah. volunteer? He goes, yeah, I know I've breached it. I know it's wrong. Yeah. And I think I'm probably going to keep doing it. It's fucking mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not something, I mean, if you're looking for another contract, then it's mm. not really the kind of message you want to be promoting yeah and look you've made this point before and i think it's quite uh, an accurate one is off-field issues aside he also hasn't brought his a game on the field has he no no. i know that the guy actually oozes a lot of natural talent i think he's a firebrand forward who if he had a different personality Mm. could be really effective and be a a wonderful asset but at the moment even on the field he takes that aggression outside of the rule book yeah. too often. It gives away a myriad of penalties, and he also can be quite soft in D. Yeah, there's a touch of the Joey Le Lewis about him, isn't there? Oh. Like he just, just really bad judgment, has a tendency to just like lose concentration, it seems. He doesn't put those efforts mm. on in defence, you're right. Puts mm. the fear of God in a KFC drive through <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. This is Xander Rosotto. I'm I'm bringing us back here because this week Eamon hasn't done his research, so I'm I'm uh, bringing in the run sheet. And uh, Eamon, we did have an interesting story pop in the last couple of weeks. Um, a top story, or or, or a sto- story with a lot of topping. The Super League is is taking some innovative approaches to sponsorship this season. Don't know if you saw, but Papa John's apparently because you know. Nobody's ordering in during COVID or something. They're short of a buck. They, they asked the Super League if they could come to a special arrangement. Instead of paying for sponsorship in dollars or in pounds, what are the point, um, they're paying in pizza. 
Okay, so I, I did hear something about this story where essentially the Super League came out spruiking a new sponsorship deal That's right. in a time of crisis. Uh, this Papa John's pizza chain that I'm not familiar with. Great name, by the way. I want, I'd love to meet Papa John. I'm sure he has anchovy breath. But the big, the big sort of spoiling point of it was the fact that the sponsorship deal is officially worth nothing. They are getting their brand at the games... Um, and instead of paying for it in dollars, they are literally just giving the players free pizza. Free pizza. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, what does that... I mean, what if the players are lactose intolerant or, or celiac, for example? Yeah, I assume you they know? have a... Papa John would have a gluten-free variant. A gluten-free, dairy-free so. variant with no cheese. <laughs> but I don't so even... Just basically that's... meat on a, on a, on a biscuit, a, a gluten-free biscuit <laughs> in a box. We know the Super League's in deep financial shit. Is can pizza be used as a currency? Can they can they actually trade with other organisations? Could they list on the stock exchange with pizza, for example? I don't know if they can. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I don't know how familiar you are with um, the history of finance, uh, Eamon. But, Intimately, uh, but um, there was a reason we moved from a barter system, and and, and one of those reasons was that. Um, you know, crops go off. It's it's good to have a medium of exchange that doesn't actually, you know, get mouldy. Yeah, I like uh, that. for a few weeks. Although I got to say, especially because I keep a lot of my money in my socks when I go jogging, uh, my notes do tend to go mouldy. But I see, I take the point nonetheless. Look, I, I I think this is almost a symptom, isn't it? It actually, it's the perfect analogy for just how much trouble the English Super League is in that they're willing to be paid in pizza. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying for a long time that, um, you know, the Super League and the, the Rugby Football League more broadly in the UK is just a shambles. Mm. There was a lot of lot of uh, ink spilled about how poorly managed the, the Wolfpack was and, and, you know, the mess that they ended up uh, in. But I know they're well down the pecking order over there. You know, mm. you've got soccer and uh, as the big, you know, code. Um, croquet, polo, yeah. <laughs> synchronised swimming. That's right. Um, ferret dancing, and then I think rugby league comes next. Yeah, somewhere around the, there in rugby union. But um, it's, it's but it depends. Ferret dancing can sometimes be up the list. That's um, right. Depending if there's a particularly fertile ferret that season. Yeah, I believe that's often the case too. Mm. The bigger um, the erection, the better the dancing. I, I don't want to go into it, but that's basically how ferret dancing works. But yeah, I mean, they, they, they're they're not a huge profile sport, but it just for, for years it sounded like they haven't been well managed. Yeah. You know, uh, look. I th- you know the thing about this story that really does my head in the most, though, Xander, is the fact that they actually went out of their way to really promote this sponsorship yeah. deal as if it was something of value. <laughs> yeah, I know. If anything, it basically it oh. sort of like cemented the perception of how much shit it's, they're in. It's just embarrassing, right? Like, I mean, Jesus, you know, it, free it makes... pizza. It just it it sounds. I mean, it sounds like one of those things that you know, like literally, it would have been the kind of thing you would expect it from a sponsor. Back in 1908, when they just became professional, because that would have that would have passed muster back then, you yeah. know. Well, working people who were, had to keep a day job will give them free food. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a kid's slumber party. Mm. I wonder if they're letting some of the guys in Wigan do a sleepover as well with some of the guys at St Helens. It's an unusual strategy, and I do wonder if there is some other kind of cost-cutting measures that um, the English Super League would have to undertake, because this tells me that they don't have a lot of. A lot of English pounds lying around. That's true. What should they be doing there to save their skin? Can you foresee any major cost-cutting coming their way? I'm going to pitch my first one at you. Footballs can be quite expensive. Should they be using live hedgehogs? (laughs) Because you can just steal them from the wild for free. Somehow I imagine that's going to be worth more. 
time and labour than than buying a football. But yeah, it's you know what I, I like the idea about that, and obviously all the RSPCA considerations aside here. But putting in say the short kick, mm. um, if it's a live hedgehog, that's going to be a lot more challenging because it can actually get up and run. So say you dribble it into the it'll goal, improve and then the, it fucks off. It'll improve the accuracy of kickers because they'll really have to keep their eye on the ball. That's I, right. One minor correction. I did say when the game went professional in 1908, that's obviously Australian date. It was 1895 in England, just before any smart-ass on Twitter corrects me. And you are a stickler for detail. That's and what right. I really love about that is you've segued that into live hedgehogs substituting for the steed and with something really accurate. More after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Uh, look, stuff all the off-field stuff, Sander. I want to talk about some on-field stuff, stuff that's really concerning me as a Roosters fan, actually. It's been the subject of several of my nightmares over the last week, and it's the Penrith Panthers, because if you ask me, mate, they're playing too bloody well. I'm not happy about it. Um, and my question to you is, can anyone stop the Penrith Panthers from winning the Premiership in 2020? Because it looks pretty bloody ominous to me. They're not losing the minor Premiership at this point. This point, no one's no one's going to beat them. You would have to think. I mean, they're on eleven in a row. They've got the Broncos, Parramatta, North Queensland, and Canterbury as their final. So they've got games. four buys in a row. Basically. That's unusual, isn't it? Like, as you know, at this point, you like after watching them the last few weeks, I'd almost put a line through Parramatta. Even after that win against mm. Melbourne, I thought, geez, like they they fell over the line against a very average Melbourne side that was was. Almost as down on troops as we were against yeah. Melbourne. And um, you know, the real worry for the Eels was the fact that, you know, a lot of commentators were calling them out going, you've got a soft underbelly. I don't yeah. think you, and you think they won't have responded to that, yeah. uh, but they really just rolled over like an eight-year-old girl. It was fascinating for me, I remember because... I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't want that Actually, to sound really sus. Wait a second. Did you just say rolled over like an underage girl? Like an eight-year-old girl. Oh, I God. I, I, I didn't even twig to it. Jesus, um, oh, I shouldn't have called attention to it, that's to right. be honest, because yeah. it's an unusual thing In the thing Me to Too say. era, that's, that's probably not the best comment to make. Uh, I think that's very Jimmy Maybe. Savile of me. I shouldn't yeah. have done that. Anyway, yeah. please proceed. Very Catholic priest. Um, I would say that at this point, it's hard to see them getting, like, you know, being a, a contender. Like, they've had the easiest run. They've been able to play at home pretty well the entire season, the Eels. Mm. Um, they've had a, a dream run with injuries. You know, now they've got Dylan Brown out, which is a huge out for them, right? Yeah, they've lost Dylan Brown. And, and Reed Marnie's also out yeah, for a few right. weeks as well. So it's, it's going to be interesting because they, they, they were statistically, and this was pointed out by, by Sterlow, they had the, the best defense in the competition, but their right edge was the sixth best. And South's left edge attack was one of the most potent. Mm, so and they, they just took him to the cleanest. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was early in the game, it was left edge, bam, bam, bam. And they just kept falling for the exact same block play. It was just, mm. it was painful to watch. And then. Uh, you know, like just to mix it up, South decided to start shifting it right, and they cut him up on the right too. <laughs> it was just incredible. It turns out that the, you can cut the eels up anywhere, yeah. even so, up the guts if you want, um, or across Blake so, Ferguson's schnoz. But you know, more to, uh, getting back to the the central point, yeah, they're going to be an easy one for Penrith. I don't see them. I think I know they beat them last time, but I think Penrith are in too good a form. They they played a, a fired up Tigers without. Uh, kick out or, or Api Corusau, and yeah. they, they still took them to the cleaners. That's the really scary yeah. part. They were missing two key players, mm. and they still looked very, very good. I've got a question for us, obviously holding ourselves to account. That's what we do here on the show, sort of every, I don't know, second or third show. Uh, otherwise, we have carte blanche. But before the season uh, kicked off, we actually put together a table, and I don't think either of us had the Penrith Panthers in our top eight. No. What is it about this team versus last year's team? What, what, why have they advanced so far on what they were? Well, I mean, I do think it's a breakout of a few young blokes, but I think it's 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 also just their system's 
clicking into gear. Like, I mean, what, 2019, I think they came 10th. Yeah. Uh, um, so they weren't a terrible side. They were kind of on the cusp of the eight, but they, they brought in Zane Tedavano from the Roosters, who's obviously got, mm. um, who's been around a, a successful system. Um, they've he, had. Yeah, but he's not even, like, he's just making, he's a good player, but he's like coming off the bench. Oh, then. yeah, yeah, no. It's, like, he's been a great buyer, but it's it's been more like the likes of Kikau. And I think Api Korosau has probably been the buyer of the season. Yeah, it sounds like um, it. Like, yeah. he's just been carving. But again, like, they didn't even need him, um, you know, on the weekend. I mean, uh, in their game against the Tigers. And I also just think that that Cleary has taken his game to a whole new level. Like he, mm. I remember reading about it in the off season that he that he'd uh, tried to pack on a bit more muscle to deal with the fact that he wasn't able to play as direct and and be as solid in defence. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, he's he's been much more imposing mm. as as a half this year. I don't know. I saw a few TikTok videos. He's certainly been working out his pelvis at home. That's right, mate. He's got he's got great uh, great agility there. Yeah, great uh, core strength. That's right. I don't know how he's been building that up, but. <laughs> Bamboozles defense with those those shifting hips, <laughs> but you know the the thing that really blew me away watching them play the Tigers is just they were they were ferocious in defense as well at the back end of the game. Like mm. they they really want this, and I think in terms of of sheer hunger, I haven't don't think I, there's any other club in the comp right now that look like they they want it as much. And you know, I think there was a stat pulled out that they've they've won the minor premiership twice in '91 and 2003, and both times they won the comp. Yeah, I know. There is certainly some ominous signs that uh, 2020 could be their year. I just love the balance in this team. As you said, there's been some young guys come along that I don't think we either of us had, had factored in. I'd never heard of Crichton before yeah. Yeah. this year. I remember late last year being a fan of a guy called Naden who's really come out of his shell. I do think the great teams always have two great centres. And those guys, I know yeah. they shift them around a little bit at the moment. I don't understand how Tyrone May is making that team, by the way. He's kind of – he could only be a blight – on, on the way that they play. But if you've got Crichton and Naden at centre and the likes of, you know, To'o and uh, Mansour on the wing, then you've got Staines who's injured and has been blistering when he's been there. Edwards, I mean, it's the whole team in, in the back line is amazing. And then you've got this great forward pack firing. It's they don't, they don't, on paper at the start of the season, they didn't look like they had the strongest spine, but they've absolutely been been killing it, right? And, and as you said, their centres, Crichton has been a revelation this year. I mean, he's, he's, been, he's amazing. He's, he scores he's a every bolter. week. Yeah, he's a bolter for, for Origin, for sure. Right? Anyone that likes a good anytime scorer multi, he, uh, I've won three times this year off this combination, Kikau, Naden, Crichton. The other... link, link them up in three in a, in a three anytime bet and enjoy the money. You're yeah. welcome. The other one uh, that surprised me is Dylan Edwards. Like I, I mean, he's been he's been incredibly good at fullback. Like I, mm. I never really you know uh, rated him terribly uh, up until this season. But he's he lost just... a bit of confidence last year. Yeah, uh, he has been a very good player. But then he had a, a one game in particular where he made about eight handling errors. Yeah, and it literally took him about a month or two to get his confidence back. And he has had a, a bit of injury this year. They've had that Aitken kid fill in for him. But when he's been there, Edwards has been exceptional, actually. I think he's he's got great evasiveness. If there's one little knock on him, it's probably maybe not as many try assists as some other fullbacks. But um, he's very evasive. But he's been busy. I mean, and it, yeah. he's one of those fullbacks that isn't, isn't in the conversation um, in terms of best fullbacks in the game at all, but you just see him when he when he's out there for for Penrith. He's effective. He's he's very effective, and you know you just you do, you almost don't notice him because he never does anything wrong, right? Mm. Is the old conventional wisdom here uh, hold true, Xander, for you that you need to have a loss to shake the monkey off your off the back? Since the comps resume since lockdown, 
I think they've won all of their games, haven't they? Oh, no, they've lost they one. Lost, they, they lost one to Parramatta. Yeah, they lost that Parramatta which game. they should have won. They drew with Newcastle. Yeah, and that's right. They had yeah. all their players out that day. Yeah. So with a full team, this team hasn't even really looked like losing, which is pretty scary. And there was a stat I think I'd heard late last week about the fact that they hadn't even been behind it in, at yeah, half time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. they, had, they hadn't, hadn't conceded the point in the first 20 minutes of a game mm. for you know, so many... But when we know yeah. finals football is a different beast to regular competition games, uh, there's a lot of young heads yeah. in this team. I'm wondering if the occasion might be the only thing that could sink them because at the moment it's not talent. It doesn't. It doesn't look like it right now. Like I mean, you're right, and the, and the, you see this, like this has kind of been you know what's happened to the Storm in previous years is that they've they've you know statistically looked unbeatable like mm. they did you know last year they were statistically the most dominant side I think although that Dragons. didn't feel like it did you feel the same way it felt like that wasn't the case even though it statistically was yeah i mean they had a that, weird they weird had that weird thing around uh, around their seven they couldn't quite work it out but they they were still they were still just so dominant that you know that you you got the sense that if um if the Roosters didn't stop them, they'd have ground anyone else into the dirt. If there were any teams that could stop the Penrith Panthers from taking it all the way this year, who are they? It's the Roosters and Storm. I, I don't see anyone Are there else. any other Smokies? Uh, I mean, when you see Canberra, for example? I, oh, Well, I mean, I'm not entirely convinced. I think they've been playing pretty well. They've had a few dips in form here and there that, that sort of make me wonder where they are. I think Canberra uh, at the moment, this will sound a bit weird, but I, I kind of feel like they're in a similar place to Souths where when they're on, they, they do look like they can, they can be title contenders. But um, there's just been a few lapses there that make me question them yeah i mean look everyone thought when hodgson limped off that was mm. their season limping off i was included in that but since then they've kind of learned how to win ugly and i yeah. think in a weird way the teams that know how to win ugly i.e not the Parramatta eels um are the ones that are shape up as potential premiership contenders because when it comes to finals games as we know they can become a grind the the, the tempo of the defense goes up and it, and it really comes down to the character of the team rather than sort of the flashiness or the brilliance of a of the outside backs, for example. And I think Canberra have, have sort of shown me that they are that team that can do that. They are a smoky for me. I think yeah. that South might have been shaping up as a smoky up until Latrell Mitchell's unfortunate injury. Um, by the way, how did you see that? That was as a former rooster, Latrell Mitchell. I think we, I don't know, I don't want to speak for you in advance here, but I think we both sort of wanted to see him do well mm. even though he hasn't exactly always played his cards right since leaving the club but it is a shame for the rugby league in general the NRL public I think that he got injured because in the last couple of weeks it looked like for the first time he was finding his feet oh he's an electric player um yeah I I felt really bad for him when I when I heard he, he'd done it that bad it, it looked kind of innocuous it mm. looked like he clutched it pretty bad but the actual acting action I thought oh surely he'll be it right it was like an inverted splits yeah I mean but you know what I mean like the, it looked like a tumble you see it happen nine you know Nine, ten times a game, players yep. just rolling over each other, but he just got his leg in a slightly awkward position. See it a lot of um, like strip clubs. It looked like he was doing a pole. Usually they have less clothes on, but yeah, but, I'm, I'm glad he kept his shorts on. But um, yeah, I, I felt really bad for him because you're right. Like he he he's had patchy form throughout the year, um, but he's you know in in a lot of critical areas and line breaks and try assists, he's been right up there. And he had one of his best games positionally and defensively at fullback. Mm. Um, in that in that win over Parramatta, like he, that 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 moment where they'd caught him, you know, dead to rights in goal for a dropout, and he just burned yeah, the them last all. Game. Yeah, it was an amazing run. Yeah, and, and you just kind of thought, well, he's he's really getting the fullback role. Like he's 
you know, he's 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 still not as busy as the others, but he was he was doing those those little areas, those little those little um, uh, sort of effort areas that they talk about. Um, he was getting them right, um, yeah. and yeah, it is. It's a shame for the game. Um, uh, you know, he was really ramping up, and mm. the one thing about a, a Wayne Bennett coach side is that they he they does tend to get them yeah. ramped up at the right time. And Latrell Mitchell very much looked like he was following the same arc. He yeah. was. Just finding his feet, I think we probably yeah. would have seen something pretty special come finals. But. Yeah, and he was he was getting into that frame. He was playing, you know, you could see if he kept it up, he w- he was also going to be, you know, a certain to be somewhere on the Origin side as well. Like you would you couldn't see them not picking him the way he was playing. It was so tough though that yeah. Origin side, to be honest. Well, There's I mean, you know, million freaks in the outside backs now. There is, but you know, if if you could if you wanted to put him back at centre, I mean, he's you know there wouldn't be anyone else you'd want ahead of him right now. I'd still maybe think Trebojevic and Whiten. True. Or maybe Katoni Staggs, although he missed I, a lot of. I, I got to say, you know, we said it game. when we were at the game, mate. I mean, Staggs, electric in attack. He missed a lot of tackles, Jesus. didn't he? Yeah, like that channel down the left edge, Morris it, burned him yeah. over and over that again. That had me worried a little bit, yeah. actually, I have to admit. By the way, when we talk about the game, the listeners might not know this, we went out and watched uh, the triumphant, very tight arm wrestle uh, game with the Brisbane Broncos. What was the margin again? 58 points to 12 or something That's like right. that? Well, the margin was not 58. Sorry, yeah. the margin would have been 46 points. That's correct, um, yes. But no, one thing I, I did want to mention is, uh, thanks again for the ticket, by the way. It was, it was a great game to watch. Um, when we were out there, I noticed you had very unusual socks on. <laughs> uh, and listen, I'll, I'll paint the scene for you. We're out there. Um, I've, I've reached down for my VB. And as I reached down, I noticed some exposed sock area uh, around Xander's ankles. That's where you generally wear your socks. I sometimes uh, wear them on my face. Yeah. Okay. Well, you can enough. convert them into face masks. Yeah, people sometimes, when they masturbate, wear them somewhere else as That's well right. yeah. for cleanup. Um, but no, I noticed on your one, uh, it had... Your wife's face on it. That's right. That's right. Um, and so, obviously, I can't notice something like that and then <laughs> not mention it. And so, I said to you, uh, "Is that your wife?" Yeah. And yeah. you said, "Yes, they are. That that, that is that is so my she, wife." So she got a custom pair of socks made, uh, two pairs. Um, one with her face um, looking. Uh, I don't know the expression I'd call it. She's she kind of shocked, ca- calling out. It was it was from a photo where she's kind of calling out and ordering somebody about. Okay, um, fair enough. You know. Uh, so I guess it depends if you, you stretch them up above, like towards your knee. Yeah. The, the facial expression would change. It would change. It look, it turn into one of pure horror. Yeah. Um, for or the if person you squash them it. down, you could make a grimace. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> she got them for me for a birthday one year, um, and they they are just particularly comfortable socks. <laughs> this was the rationale you gave me, and I thought, well, I don't know, comfort or not. I'm not sure if you'd be wearing that out and about or not. I mean, do you wear them into the office? Well, I don't go into the office anymore. I work oh, from that's home. Right, you're so all that, that was the thing. That was, that was part of the reason I forgot. Um, is I've just, I just had them on because they're very comfy to wear around the house. And I was just like, you know, all of a sudden I thought, oh, shit, I better head to the footy. So good. And just still had them on. It was funny, actually. I, I took off my, my slippers at home. And I was about to put my shoes on. I'm like, well, I changed it. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah, I'll sleep <laughs> them on. Just, Why not? You know. um, as long as it stops at the socks, mate. You know, I don't. It's not underpants or anything else, is it? So it's just at socks. Oh, okay, your silence is deafening. Uh, look, we're going to uh, one last question here for you, mate, on the pod. The undies are very comfortable as well. <laughs> stop it. Um, I want a, a prediction from you. If there's one thing that can stop the Penrith Panthers from winning the premiership, what is it? Oh, I'm kind of reminded of that scene where Homer was asked to uh, to visualise how he was going to beat Dredrick Tatum, <laughs> but. Uh, but uh, if, it, if our listeners are old enough to remember that scene, Google it. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think at this stage, uh, it, it, it'll be one of two things. It will be the immaturity of their side not being able to handle finals pressure, which I'm, I'm still sceptical of, mm. or it'll be injuries because they've had a dream run with injuries. And, yep. um, you know, they haven't had to deal with too many uh, too many major ones to date. Okay, that's funny. For me, it's an angry German stabbing Nathan Cleary in the back like a Monica Seles incident. Well, it's that time of the show again for Media Watch Mario Madness. And we are striking him at the time of recording here on a Sunday evening, um, at I guess a time of morning, because the Eagles, the mighty Eagles, have just been slayed by the Melbourne Storm. No shame in that. They've slayed many people. But he joins us now. Media Watch Mario, welcome to the Voluntary Tackle. Thank you, boys. Uh, pleasure to be on as usual. It's been, been a while. Mate, um, I'm, I am interested in this. How do you drown your sorrows after a game like the one today or even in the last couple of weeks? Obviously, it hasn't been the happiest time for the club. How does Media Watch Mario handle his sorrow about the club's performance? Well, in true manly fashion, I beat up my wife and then go take a knife to a church and then just go nuts. I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought, I don't know. I thought, every I th- Is that every weekend, mate? Uh, it's only when we lose, so yes, every weekend. I was thinking more some Epsom salts and a hot bath, but that's okay. We're all, we all handle these things differently. Look, I'm going to throw a bit of a theory at you straight away, mate, and I don't want to add insult to injury. I have a bit of a critique of someone that I love who plays for your club, but I just feel like he's having his first off-season ever. Can you predict who I'm about to say? Um, probably Jake. Yeah, Jakey Draboyevich. Look, it's not like he's playing poorly, mate, and I'm not sure if you have the same opinions that I do, but I feel like this is the first season that I've seen him look a bit lethargic and sort of lacking a bit of dynamism. Would you agree with that, or am I completely off base? No, you're probably right, and to be honest, can you blame him? When you when you can see that your back line is amongst the worst ever assembled, it's, it's got to be hard to put in that you know insane amount of effort like he does. You know, When other people think they're putting in 100%, about Jake terms, they're putting in about 80 because yep. that guy just puts in more effort than the vast majority of people. But how can you keep doing that when you just see people just phoning it in, just being absolute scrubs all around you? I guess that's the shocking thing for me, mate, is I think Jake Trebojevic is probably one of the most competitive guys I've seen ever pull on a jersey. And to see him out there having, a, I guess, a slight air of conceding that the, that the club's not doing so well, because he, he just seems spewing after every loss normally. This is the first time I've seen him... I don't know, just have a little bit of an air of acceptance, but you think that that's probably more the team's fault than him. Well, look, I mean, I'm not in any way trying to compare myself to Jake Turbo. He's better than me at absolutely everything that he's ever done and everything that I've ever done. I'm sure he's better better than me. That being said, I like to think that when I used to play um, footy or soccer, I had a very similar style in that um, I would just be always going, 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 and people would be going, Jesus Christ, will this idiot stop running? So that's about the only similarity I can make with myself. But I know that I'd play games sometimes where you'd just see that everyone was having an off game. And so I'd try a bit harder to try and rally them, and they'd just suck more, and then eventually my game would go to shit too. And I just feel like that's what's happening to Jake. It's taken longer than for him than it did for me because, you know, I was never very good. That's a pretty obvious difference. Do you think he's getting sledged by Tom? Because Tom's there going, well, you know, we, we, we had this argument over the last couple of seasons about who's the more effective Trebojevic. I think the proof might be in the pudding now that Tom's more important to the Eagles than Jake. Yeah, but there's not much good 
of being important to a team if you're, you know, busy being dunked into a glass of milk because you are, in fact, a biscuit. <laughs> he does seem to have hamstrings made out of tissue paper, but I know, Xander, you had something to uh, mention. I, th- I believe it might be about uh, one Cade Cust. Yeah, no, I, I just had a, a question for you, Murray. Do you think that he's growing into the role so far? Because I do think on the, on the evidence of the last couple of weeks... He, he's beginning to take on a few Walker-like uh, characteristics. Oh, that's harsh. Uh, look, the, the, my main complaint with Dylan Walker, apart from being a completely shit human, is the fact that he gets the ball and he's an instant handbrake with it. Cade Cust at least will move forward. He doesn't just crab across the field then to stop, go back, oh, wait, stop, go back again. Oh, shit, what do I do? Oh, I'll just fall down. So, Cust, he, he, he'll just throw him to the side of DCE's head from a metre away. I mean, that was pretty funny for everyone, <laughs> we must, must be said. Um, he, he needs a kicking game. You know, I, I'm, never, I'm certainly not saying that Cade Cust is a finished product. I just think that he shows the most promise of anyone we've had at 5'8", at least since Blake Green and possibly longer, you know. He's, I, I still think he shows a lot of promise, but... When the team's going poorly, he struggles to... He's not someone at this stage who's going to be lifting us. Do you, do you think he's um, he's probably just a bit... Is it, is it an immaturity thing? Is he a bit too eager? I'd noticed a couple of times, as we said, Man, Manly definitely played better against uh, the Storm this week than they did, and uh, you know, compared to that shocker they had last week. But, you know, he he was in, tried to be involved, but a few times there was, there was one instance in particular where uh, I thought... Um, Cust actively bombed a try. I think it was going to Dravojevic um, through the middle. There, there seems to be a little bit of over-eagerness over-eager, there, and, and it, it can be to his detriment, is my sense. I think he can feel Dylan Walker's, you know, whatever whatever was injured getting better, and he knows that Des has, you know, has his dick firmly shoved up Walker's ass and just wants him back there. And Cust is <laughs> what do you really think, mate? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mario, is there a chance that Cade Cust isn't having the same level of success that people would anticipate because of his name, Cade Cust? Is that something that's holding him back? Because the only time I can see of anyone rebuking that is Cooper Cronk. When he first came on the scene, I remember thinking he won't be a success because his name's Cooper Cronk. Could Cade Cust be an example of someone that might be held back by that? Well, look how everyone's wanking over Bradman Best. You know, that is a terrible name. I don't care what people say. I, I think that's an awful <laughs> it, name. It sounds like a made-up name, doesn't it? It's an yeah. alias, isn't yeah. it? It's an alias of a yeah, superhero. He, he's, another, he's another graduate of our um, all-time reigning Toyota Cup set winning team, as is Cade Cust. So uh, I won't actually hear a bad word about Brad and Beth. Thank you. <laughs> Mate, there was also a pretty horrendous injury at your club. Uh, Thompson had what looked to be some kind of serpent tongue. His tongue split in two. Oh, that was awful. He looked, a, yeah, he looked slightly mutated, like he'd sort of rolled himself in some kind of radioactive ooze. My question to you is, how do you recover from a ruptured tongue, and can it be bandaged? I'm pretty, well, funny story. I remember my nephew when he was about two or three coming up to me and saying, Uncle Andy, I bit my tongue. I need a Band-Aid. So I went and got him a Band-Aid and he stuck it on his tongue and then he said he felt better. Okay. And I assume uh, that didn't become a choking hazard? Well, I don't think it stayed in there all that long, but I feel at least 10 minutes and by then his tongue was magically fixed, the power of Band-Aid. It's like the power of magic water when someone gets injured. Yeah, right. And Uncle Mario was never asked to babysit again, I'm betting. Brad Parker, mate, have you been impressed with him? I know he had a bit of a mid-season slump, but his effort level seems to be back there a little bit again. My only critique of Brad Parker, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Xander, 
is he looks a little bit like an extra in Braveheart. He looks decidedly English, like he's a guy who gets an arrow through the head in the opening scene. Again, I'm not sure if that's holding him back, Mario. Well, in his case, it, and it's always a blunt arrow that hits him in the head because he just gets concussed, you know, multiple times a year. That's right. You don't want to kill Parker because he's good for sort of comic value. You want to just concussed him so he can return to the next scene. It's been said on another podcast, but um, it's something that I've thought. I respect Brad Parker because that guy, he, he just squeezes every ounce of ability out of an utterly talentless body. You know, there's very few people that try harder than him, but he's he's really, you know, he, he's trying to be in a race with V8s and he's got a little, you know, Wee 50 engine inside that bonnet. It's not really going to go far. That's what I want on my epitaph, Mario. I played pretty well for a cockeyed dickhead. Um, look, we're going to go just beyond Manly very briefly, mate. Um, there's a fair bit going on in the world of NRL, as there always is. I want to get your take on the uh, ongoing Brisbane Broncos saga. Who should be the coach of the Brisbane Broncos post-Seabold? Whoever, whoever keeps them down where they belong. So I'm Team Kevy. <laughs> so I assume you think that Kevy won't be the masterstroke that a lot of the Brisbane old boys thinks he would be. No, I think Kevy will be. Kevy as a first grade NRL coach will make 2020 Des Hasler look inspired. Cameron Smith, there's rumours that he might play on next year, or at least that he will be making an announcement very soon. Do you think, in your opinion, he will retire or play on in 2021 for another club? I think he has the biggest ego of any player to ever play the game, and he will play as long as someone's willing to put more money in his bank accounts. You actually think he'll he'll play on? So who is he going to play on for, do you think? I think it will be Storm. I think the second Brisbane team, because you know, they, they want him, but that's not till 2022. The current Brisbane team, certainly they could improve by having him. There's no question about that. But much like Greg Inglis did with Brisbane, Lots of players pretend they want to go there, but who the hell would want to go there now? Smith has too much ego. He's too used to winning. There's no way he's going to go to a team that he knows is not making the finals next year. He's going to use them as a carrot to to pull another 800 grand out of Storm next year. Well, Mario, that wraps up another Media Watch Mario Madness. Thank you very much for joining the show again, and uh, good luck with putting your nephew's tongue in more elastoplast. (laughs) Thanks. See ya. Bye, mate. Thank you for listening to The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast prepared to palm off the big issues. The program would like to advise listeners that because its hosts have developed a gold Rolex shopping addiction, they need your help. Please make comments and ratings on Apple Podcasts, or alternatively, awkwardly shoehorn the show into conversations with friends and loved ones. You may also wish to follow the show across social media platforms. They include Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. The Voluntary Tackle is now also available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Thank you again for flying with The Voluntary Tackle. Your luggage is now our property and you will not be seeing it again. In the event of a non-traditional landing, Please assume the Russians have blown another plane from the sky and feel free to panic.